We are recording. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Our Novel Experience podcast. I am Matt. And this is Aaron. Hello. And Anna. Hello. Today is Monday, April 27th. How are you guys doing? Great. I'm doing great. Thank you. Excellent. Uh, Wanted to start the top here with a correction from last episode. Our correction from last episode. I was talking about the Dandy Dans. Well, they're not the Dandy Dans. They are the Dapper Dans, the Disneyland Barbershop Quartet. So we will link to that on our Facebook page. So if you want to see what we're talking about incorrect or what I was talking about incorrectly last episode, go check us out on Facebook and watch one of their videos. They're delightful. So homework from last episode was listen to the violent femmes first album from 1983 called violent femmes. Want to go ahead and, uh, who do I? Who, I'll take Aaron? that. Yeah. So let's start with the Violent Femmes are, it's made up of the members are uh, Gordon Gano. He does lo- vocals, lead guitar, violin, and banjo. Brian Ritchie, he plays bass, uh, backing and lead vocals, guitars, xylophones, keyboard, all kinds of stuff. Victor uh, DeLorenzo plays drums, percussion, backing vocals as well. And Peter Ballesteri, who plays saxophone. Um, the album is roughly 12 songs. It is, uh, here's what I love about this album. I know that it's old 1983. I was nine years old when this album came out, but this album for me is pure nostalgia from roughly my junior, senior year of high school through my first two years of college. So kind of that four year period, this I'm, it remind this whole album for me is Denver circa 1990 90 to 94ish um most of my friends and I we were unemployed we did it you know the job market in Denver at the time was kind of like it is right now where it was impossible to get employment if you were if you were young it wasn't as expensive a place to live at the time there wasn't a lot to do and we back in those days, we used to hang out at coffee shops. Um, there was a coffee shop in Denver back then called Muddy's, which was a real beatnik hipstery coffee shop that was open till 4 a.m. And everything about this music reminds me of those days and reminds it. So whether it's good or bad is very debatable. Uh, some of the music is, I think, is is good and it's got has a good feeling to it. Some of it not as much, but the whole album, I can listen to this album and picture myself at three o'clock in the morning on a Saturday night, hanging out with my friend Shay and my friend Dan, sitting at Muddy's, smoking, you know, Marlboro cigarettes drinking coffee, talking about the motorcycles we were going to someday going to own or the, you know, what our future career, what our lives were going to be, you know, in our, when we're 18 to, you know, 20 years old. And this for me just brings back all those great memories of that time in life and music. So much of music is the memory that it brings brings us back to music can be good music can be bad but if it's for me the it it kind of reminds me of that point in time in my life now what did you what did you think of it anna you're younger away yeah that was actually something that i found really funny so i i didn't know this album came out in 1983 when you first recommended it as our topic for today and and I found out why, because I did a little bit of research. It turns out their album became much more popular decades later. That was about as far as my research went. But in the 90s, it blasted into popularity once more. So the song, the first song on the album, Blister in the Sun, was the first thing I thought of when you mentioned Violent Femmes. And it was 
hugely popular when I was a teen and a preteen. So that has been part of the soundtrack of my experience for quite a while as well. But to find out it came out in 83, which, to be frank, I was not yet born, really surprised me. Um, And then as far as like what I thought of it, listening to it again, because, I mean, you play Blister in the Sun and I remember it. It's 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 an earworm. It's stuck in there. Um, Listening to it again, the first thing that struck me was how raw it was. I tend to listen to a lot of EDM. I listen to a lot of highly produced music. So listening to something that felt that unpolished was, to be honest, at this moment in time, kind of refreshing to sit back and just listen to someone twanging away. The lead singer, no offense, does not have a beautiful voice. It's raw and crackly and in several of the songs just sound. I mean, it gives me hope that I could sing. It's so so rough. Right. I have the same. My singing voice is horrific. And maybe that's what I like about him. I don't know. <laughs> I, 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 With all love and respect, my friend, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody ever enjoys my singing. And if they do, they're lying or tone deaf. No, no. They just enjoy it for its honesty. <laughs> That's fair. I, so, I do like making people go to karaoke for my birthday party just so they can experience my singing something terrible. Don't I know it? <laughs> <laughs> so, hey, Matt, sorry, go on. No, I was just going to ask Matt his, his opinion on yeah, the... I wonder what Matt's thinking. Okie doke. You guys asked. Um, I... I also was very familiar with the song Blister in the Sun and Gone Daddy Gone. And I was familiar with Gone Daddy Gone again when Gnarls Barkley did a version of it. Um, And I'll tell you what, that whole album came out when I was barely a human. And I would consider that album barely music. Um, Even the Gone Daddy Gone it falls apart halfway through. I don't know if you guys, I didn't recall this from memory, but partway through the song, they just sort of stop playing instruments together and just play sounds for a little bit halfway through the song and then get around to singing the same words again. I think it has I, really judicious use of the xylophone though. So, uh, yeah, no, it does. That's, that was actually the most pleasant part of that song is the xylophone usage. Yeah. Um, I, kept hearing what was almost music and something I would enjoy. Uh, this uh, it's classified as folk punk, but occasionally it would slip into some surf rock for some reason. And I actually like surf rock. So I was excited when it would start doing that. Um, the, the nicest thing I think I can say about this album is, I would rather listen to this album than the Beach Boys. So harsh, maybe, but that's, uh, yeah, I I have 0% nostalgia for Violet Femmes. The last couple songs on the album are punk songs, straight up. They're just punk songs, totally absolute punk songs, Uh, Ugly and Give Me the Car. Punk songs. The end of Confessions, though, is just almost surf music. But uh, those last two punk songs aren't good punk songs. So for a punk band, they made the right choice to not be a punk band anymore and to be uh, whatever they ended up being, a folk punk band. So Uh, I, as far as the nostalgia is concerned, I have... No nostalgia for this. I have significantly more nostalgia for something like Limp Biscuit, good or bad. But that that's when that time frame was correct for me. This missed me entirely. So there you go. That's fair. Now, here's a question for you. Um, do you find that there's this, 
I'm trying to think of the way to ask this. The later music by, by Violent Femmes, because they do have 15 albums, um, which I was surprised to learn as I was perusing their Wikipedia page. Does any of their later stuff get better for you, or is it all hot garbage? I don't know. The homework was to listen to this album, so I listened to this album. I did not That's pursue fair. any of the additional. I wasn't sure. I didn't expect you to listen to the entire catalog. I wouldn't do that to anybody. I just wasn't sure if you had other opinions about later stuff that you'd heard, or if you have no other opinion about them. Not really. That's um, fine. I got done listening to this album and said, well, I can go another 20 years without listening to that album again. So I, if there's other better stuff that they have done later, feel free to point me at it, but uh, I'm not sure did, there is. No, I did the homework on this one and this, this is my opinion on it. Fair enough. Yeah, this, there's not a lot of extra credit in this group. No. Well, I mean, I understand that. And if you don't like something, why would you go seeking out more of it? That's, so I, I'm not, not that I expected Matt to go, man, that sucked. I better go find some more of that shit to listen to because that wouldn't be fair. And that's not an expected activity. Listen, I appreciate you guys putting up with this album for me. It's, I mean, for me, I have felt very nostalgic the last couple of weeks. And maybe part of it is just what's going on in the world. Maybe part of it is just, that's where I'm at in my life right now, but I wanted to bring a little nostalgia and get your guys' opinion on it. I appreciate you guys participating and not making too much fun of me for it. So thank you. No, I, I, I'm not, I'm not making fun of you oh, at no. all. You're um, making fun of, like, not even making fun of music. Super differently. Yeah. And when you get the nostalgia thing attached to something, there's not a lot you can do to shake it off. It, that's how the memories form is they form around the sounds, the sights, the smells, the people you are with, all of that stuff. And you don't have control over wh- how those memories were made. And that's why I use the example of Limp Biscuit because I think they, you can argue Limp Biscuit is not a very good band, but boy, did I have some formulative experiences while that was happening. So, no, I, I appreciate you bringing this up and having us listen to it. And I actually was excited to listen to it again. And I was surprised at the my results on that for, for myself because I was like, oh, yeah, Violent Femmes, they're classic. You know, I am aware of them. This should be good. Mm-hmm. And then it, it was how it was for me. I I think that's that's that whole nostalgia thing being very personal is and somewhat collectively edited. I mean, think about Never Ending Story. So I don't know if you guys have ever rewatched Never Ending Story as adults. Like a month ago. If, like I watched it like easily maybe a month, maybe a month and a half ago. And what was your take? I, I don't know. I can't decide. That's a great question. Um, I love the story. I always will. Um, it was juvenile, though. I mean, that's the thing. Is it's a juvenile story. So it's good. I mean, I, I think I wouldn't not have a eight-year-old watch it, you know, now. Sure. I mean, but it's it's amazing what holds up and what doesn't. And I, that's still a personal thing. Like I I could probably rewatch The Dark Crystal a million times and never be sad. Like I love that movie and uh, always will. And I could never watch The Dark Crystal again and be just fine. The <laughs> I was So the the recent remake of The Dark Crystal that was done on Netflix, I think ruined the dark crystal for me. And I don't know if that was on Netflix or HBO. I think it was Netflix. Um, Someone can Google that and correct me. Netflix. Okay. What's Netflix? It was on Netflix. Okay. I was right. How about that? Um, I just, it, it didn't feel like it was, it turns out it probably was similar to the story, but my memory of the dark crystal was, very specific and probably specifically wrong. But I thought that the new updated addendum or whatever it was just ruined it for me. And I never need to watch it again because I, Robin loved it. I 
sat through about half of it, couldn't take it. Then we watched the dark, the original Dark Crystal, which I was really excited to watch. I went through all the trouble of finding it. We watched it, and I was like, and I felt like it was ruined by the remake. I'm I'm really curious about Matt's take on this, and I'm but I also want to hear from you, Aaron, first. Why was the new version, the new series, so problematic for you? It didn't feel to me like it was true to the story. So I'm going to give you an example. Remember the original American tale with Fievel? Oh, gosh, yes. Okay. Then remember they made a sequel called Fievel Goes West? Yes. Okay. So cinematic genius. <laughs> <laughs> so, Fievel was a really good story about the, you know, about people coming to America from at Fievel's situation from Russia coming during the pogroms and escaping persecution in 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 the Soviet Union and coming to the United States and f- trying to find your fortune and find put yourself together and hold on to your past and hold on to what it is that made you you your family and everything else Five it was books, an immigration allegory yes and it wasn't even and an allegory. I mean, it was it was yeah. immigration. It was about Fievel was doing this immigration, which you know a lot of our ancestors did. Fievel goes west was just hot garbage. This and it ruined an American tale for me. This is the exact same thing. This ruined Dark Crystal for me. So you just don't like fun? Is that what I'm hearing? I love fun. <laughs> That's not fair. I know I'm being a jerk. <laughs> it pissed all over my nostalgia is what it did. I mean, I, I, I can understand that. Yeah. So I, I, I want to definitely to hear from Matt. Okay. So I think I know. So I had not too dissimilar of an experience to Aaron. However, I think we had it for different reasons. I misremembered the dark crystal and why I didn't enjoy it as a child. So I didn't enjoy the Dark Crystal as a child. Loved the Labyrinth. Never Ending Story was great. Warriors of the Wind. Uh, uh, the Nim. The Nim. Yes. What was it? The Secret of Nim. Exactly. Uh, loved those movies. Didn't particularly imprint the Dark Crystal, and. A lot of that was because it was really political in the same way that the first three Star Wars prequels were weirdly political. And I didn't uh, I didn't particularly like the Dark Crystal as a child, although I had really fond memories of the Dark Crystal. I had really good imagery and I loved the artwork and I loved the characters and I thought it was pretty. And I aesthetically was totally on board with the Jim Henson work that was going on there. Loved it. I think that the new one, when I watched it, was so in line and such a direct, perfect tonal continuation of the original story that it made me realize more what I did not enjoy about the story in the beginning. So that's why I'm saying it came at it at a different angle. I think we, I think the overall result was not particularly enjoying the new one, but I think for different reasons. And I think if you watch the new dark crystal and the old original movie, they feel like just right in line with each other. Yeah. So just to give credit where credit's due, Jim Henson mastermind, Absolutely. Great creator of puppetry. Brian Froud is the designer responsible for the aesthetic behind things like um, the Dark Crystal. That is good to know. Thank you. Yeah. If you're interested in that aesthetic, 
absolutely the artist to check out. So, it, <laughs> I mean, I feel like what we're getting to at this point is that nostalgia is so incredibly personal. I think, Matt, you already touched on this. Um, I still don't agree with either of you about your your takes on The Dark Crystal. What about Fievel? How do you feel about Fievel? I, I think... Five Goes West was so much fun. Although I felt weird about the mouse, like seducing the cat with the like song or whatever. Cause she was like a hot mouse. His, his sister. I can't quite remember. I honestly, just I, that you just said. I watched it once. It was a long time ago. So I will just defer that. I don't remember. S- I do sorry. appreciate having, there are no cats in America a song stuck in my head right now. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. No, but I mean, what I was kind of driving at was that our experiences when we were younger are so colored by who we were when when we were experiencing them. And for you, Aaron, I absolutely can see why Violent Femmes, cap- Violent Femmes captures that for you, just like the grunge movement captured those years for me when I lived in Seattle. It was the sound for the time for me. Oh, and I've got a huge, I mean, the grunge, I had a grunge phase. It absolutely spoke to me at a period of my life as well. I, yeah. I would like to get to, I'm Anna's sorry. Point. I didn't mean to cut you off. No, I mean that, that ultimately is really what it touches on. Like I, I can't tell whether or not that is an objectively, good musical movement. And I have talked to people that absolutely cannot stand Nirvana or Pearl Jam or Alice in Chains or Soundgarden. And to me, these were the quintessential sounds of my life. And I cannot separate them from how I felt as a teen in those moments. And I think we're all the same. You, it's, it's like a fly captured in amber. You're never going to be able to remove the emotional attachment to those experiences. And there's nothing wrong with that because we all go through it. It's why we have nostalgia in the first place. So go ahead, Matt. I was going to ask you a question about it. No, all all three of us hit differently. Like for you, it was grunge for Aaron. It was uh, violent femmes um, and other things. I'm sure for me, it was corn and, uh, a lot of the new metal stuff and Pantera and Sepultura and all of that stuff. That's what hit me. And if you ask my brother, it hit him. Some other completely different thing hit him. I think there's a certain range when you're growing up of the music that is popular at that point in time, just, just snaps onto you. Now I'm not thrilled that my formulative music was, uh, corn. Like, that's not great, but man, I went and saw a family values tour and that was phenomenal and I loved it. And, you know, that's in 95, that's, that's what was going on uh, for me, at least. No, I, I agree. And, and I was so lucky as a kid, like forever, thanks to my parents, because they not only had albums in the house that were popular for the time, they had they kept up with music. So people who are older than me will ask me if I've heard of whatever group. And I absolutely have entirely thanks to my parents having some kick butt music around the house and having some eclectic music around the house. And so my tastes are a lot more broad than they might otherwise be because I was lucky enough to have really awesome human beings in the house with me when I was learning to love music. And I will, I I will just forever be thankful for that because you put me in front of an album and I'm probably going to find something to appreciate about it. Like I can appreciate things about corn. I can appreciate things about violent femmes. I can appreciate things about Taylor Swift as much as I don't want to. Tay Tay. So <laughs> I, I found myself enjoying a Jonas Brothers song the other day, and that surprised me. I was like, oh, who is this? This is pretty good. Jonas Brothers. Hmm. Did not expect that to be who that was, but you know what? I'm going to own it. I liked it. I thought it was a good song. I don't remember the name of the song, but. Yeah, I mean, ultimately, like my my take on music is, but has been that there's there should be no elitism about music because 
it's such a wonderful and joyful and angry and set like whatever emotion you want to tap into, whatever feeling you want, it's out there because some amazing human being has done something crazy musically and whatever you want, it's there. That's, that is, and it's an incredible thing to experience. And we are so lucky to be living in the age and day that we are where we get to look back at so many years of music and love or hate whatever the heck we want to. I, I just think we're gloriously lucky for that. And in the age of streaming, having access to it through Amazon Music, Spotify or Apple Music and just having access to the compendium of human music creation from recorded history and recording devices until now is fantastic we are so fortunate to have that i completely agree um the ability to say to just reach out and grab something from the past like that is something that people have not been able to do before i think we're pretty lucky in that regard yeah one thing that as an educator i've been so lucky to experience is seeing this access through the eyes of young folks. And I had a student who in sixth grade was listening to something on his headphones in front of the computer, rocking out, happy as a clam. I was like, oh man, I really like, what, what are you listening to? What is, what is that, that that you're listening to? Cause you are moving in your seat. It was wham. He was listening to wham and it like, it, it floored me. It was just the best thing ever because sixth grade kid we have his log god so far in the past but for him it was now and I've, I've shared this story in the past too i've had students walk up to me and, and say hey miss have you ever heard of green day oh they're so great and it just cracks me up because for them it's all now there there is like time has become almost completely irrelevant there that is super true uh there is also a a flip side to this of having access to all of this music is you can take snapshots out of time and participate in history now etc etc but uh you know the opposite of that was you didn't you didn't when you didn't have access to all of this when you got that U2 Zeropa cassette stuck in the dashboard of your car and your stereo wouldn't eject it, and that's all you had to listen to because the antenna broke off your car, uh, you learn all the words to that album because it's all you're listening to. And that's just a different experience. And now you can go, don't care for that, move on. And you don't have to uh, wallow around or um, play in the album that you may or may not have enjoyed. Right. Because now we have 5 million songs on shuffle. So you might never hear that song again. But when we were kids, remember my tape deck in my car, a tape got stuck in it. And it's exactly that experience. But so I, I, I think this is a great, like, showcase of how old people these days or young people these days slash old people kids these, these days. days shake my fist <laughs> okay okay boomer um but i think it is true like you there's something lost in the sit down with the music experience it fully completely in a particular format format so like that um the band from last week ivory circle or last week, last episode, they specifically decided to focus on releasing singles instead of releasing full albums. And I think that's partially a response to the market as it stands right now, because it's less about creating the album. At least it seems that way. There's a, an evolution in how artists communicate their creations and you know, kind of gone is that uh, just sitting in front of your computer with an entire album. I shouldn't say that though, because my students will sit there and listen to one artist on repeat their entire collection over and over and over again, because the one thing that hasn't changed 
is that music is the thing that speaks to young people. I had a project with my kids once where I wanted them to talk about something that was important to them. And there were several young people in my class who just, the only thing that mattered to them was music. They couldn't even think of a second example. It was music or nothing. And they weren't artists. They were just appreciators of music. That's pretty fantastic. So, um, are, are we are we good on Violent Femmes? Cool. That was that was a fun exercise in uh, in nostalgia. Thank and you. Being able to bring up the other the other nostalgic elements. I think that was a I think that was a fun time. Thank you very much for that. Um, I just wanted to share a couple of things. Uh, that are just fun things that have happened. And since I'm pretty into video games, wanted to share two fun, lighthearted video game things. Uh, Mario maker two had an update that came out this week and it, it was a huge update, added a bunch of stuff, uh, that made the game a lot more fun. And one of the things I've been doing is watching other people play, uh, Mario maker two. It's, it's a super weird thing. It's not weird anymore. That's It's a pretty mainstream thing to do, but I never thought I would watch other people play video games. But it's a good time to see somebody who's better at something than you and do it well and and have a good time doing it. And uh, what's up, Anna? I wanted to ask you, so as a PC Master Race person slash someone who can't afford platforms, um can you tell us a little bit about Mario Maker? Sure. Uh, yeah, absolutely. It is a uh, both a building and playing platform where the Nintendo gives the players tools to build their own Super Mario Brothers levels. And they can do it in Super Mario 1, Super Mario 3, Super Mario World, Super Mario Land, I think. Uh, all different ages, Super Mario 3D World. Um, not 3d world, whichever the one that's the new super Mario with 3d assets. It anyway, doesn't quite matter, but they give you all these different tools and the update gave a whole bunch more tools. They gave the, uh, the Koopa kids. So now you can put them in your level. So you have to, you can have boss fights with them. Uh, they gave the world update so that you can build a world, which is a series of levels strung together and to make a more cohesive overall game almost. And then they gave a bunch of different uh, new skills. One of which is the frog suit from super Mario three. And then the super Mario two functionality, which the super Mario two functionality is standing on enemies and then picking them up. It's a it's a totally different gameplay mechanic because everywhere else in the game, if you jump on something, it dies and you bounce off of it. In this, you jump on them, and if they're flying through the air, you ride on them, you pick them up, move them around. It's just new, interesting, and unique gameplay mechanics. So it's got the entire community. And I watch two particular people who do Twitch streams and YouTube streams, and they are Grand Pooh Bear and Ryu car and Ryu car is just the nicest person you've ever met period. He's just the sweetest human being I can even imagine. He's got a long luxurious beard and he's just a, a kind person. You just tell how kind this person is and grand Pooh bear is entertaining. Not that he's not all of those things that Ryu car is, but grand Pooh bear is just entertaining. And so I've been watching these and they make me feel better. I don't know why I can't quite figure it out, but man, it makes me feel good. The second thing is animal crossings, new horizon, which is all the rage. Everyone is talking about it. I mean, I say everyone, lots of people. I, I have had people comment and go, Hey, where can I play this game at? Like, Oh, you have to have a switch. Well, where can I get a switch? You can't, they're sold out. So that's, that's how, you know, the game 
community has responded to what's going on here in society right now. But Animal Crossing's New Horizon had a good art, a good update. They've added the art gallery to the museum, so you can start buying uh, historical pieces of art and putting them into the gallery. But you want to avoid buying the fakes because there's fake artwork. And there's a fox that shows up in town sometimes on his little boat and he will tell you, he will try to sell you things and you have to make sure that you're buying a real piece of art, not a forgery because the forgeries are worth nothing, but the real artwork goes into the museum. So, so I I think Aaron and I probably have the same question. Aaron, you go. Okay. So I have never played animal crossings. I do not understand what animal animal crossings is. I'm not sure this is the right venue to give me a lesson in animal crossings, but I just don't understand. Is it, I mean, what is the, what is this game? Cause now it sounds like I'm collecting art and selling art. And do I have widgets and do I have to pay taxes? How does this work? Anna, what was your question? <laughs> I, I will, I would like to answer all of these questions. It was similar, but I was going to say animal crossing. Cause at least I know that there's only, it's singular. It's, oh, it's not plural. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> no, no, but it was really like, I felt like it really highlighted how unfamiliar you were. <laughs> like, what are these animal crossings you're talking what are they about? Crossing? <laughs> what, why are they crossing? What, what's going on here? Yeah. So, <laughs> so Animal Crossing is a game about nothing, really. You have an island. That's what you get initially. You owe Tom Nook the a bunch of money. And then you can expand your house to owe him more money. You what you do in the game. So that's a good place to start. I'm what sorry. You do do you game. have to actually give him real money? No. Okay. Go on. No, you give him bells. Uh, and there's a the whole stock market. There's a stock market in the game, uh, and it's S D A L K because what you trade is turnips. And so you buy turnips, and you trade them so you buy them on sunday and you have a whole week to trade them and you you buy them for a certain price and you can trade them for a different price and if it goes up or down you make or lose money but they spoil the next sunday so so it's a commodity yeah it is a commodity but today i bought shoes for my character because there were new shoes and i bought an astronaut helmet because they had one in the store the so you start off in an island it's empty you are the first person on the island so you invite you build little places for people to live they're called villagers and then you go to different islands that are random islands and then you find other villagers the entire point of the game is to get the in-game musician kk slider who is a little dog who plays a guitar and he's very cute to come perform a concert on your island that's the point of the game. If you do that, credits roll. The rest of the game is everything you do after that. So the entire point of the game you can do in a couple minutes a day for two weeks because there are things where you have to do something on one day and then wait for the next day to happen in real time and then do something on the following day. What but platforms you, is this available on? Nintendo Switch only. But what you do is you play... You shake trees to get sticks. You take the sticks, you turn them into a net. You take the net or you take the stick and turn it into a fishing pole. Then you fish for fish. Then you sell those fish. You take those bells and you buy new things. And then you get a shovel and you hit rocks with a shovel. And then you get the iron ore out of the rock to be able to build a better shovel. It's adorable. Top to bottom. It's relaxing. I just unlocked terrascaping and being able to put down pathways. So that's what I've been doing is putting all the villagers, moving their houses and setting up my island, how I want it to be. It's you buy hats, you talk to them, they say things. It's weird. Uh, Man, it is, it is delightful. I, it is such a joyous, weird, non-stressful thing. There's no stress involved. There's not like, oh my God, tonight I have to beat this level or now nah, you just, you just buy stuff and do things and sell things and trade stuff and chop down trees and pick flowers and 
put them in your hair and run around and like fish off a pier and pick up shells that wash ashore. And man, it is just adorable top to bottom. So soothing, so relaxing. It's just like a Zen activity. And if you got, if you've got things you want to do, you can set goals for yourself, but the game's not going to do it for you. It's not going to be like, sounds charming. It's super charming. It it sounds like charming and endearing and something I would probably not enjoy at all, but I think it sounds really cool. So, yeah, I, I, I think Aaron, like, have you ever considered yourself a casual gamer? Is that something you've ever heard of or considered? I I mean, I've heard the term casual gamer. I'm not sure I'm, I'm enough of a gamer to be a casual gamer. I think if there is a far less than casual gamer, that might be me. Sub sub casual, right? I can tell you, you are not a hardcore gamer. That is for sure. I am so absolutely I think you not. Are, you are very aware of where you stand on that spectrum, right? Yeah. So I just think it's it's fascinating to me how gaming is changing over time. So I used to work for GameStop uh, back in back in the day in the dark times, and. I mean, it's amazing to me how much more mainstream games like this have become. And it makes me so happy because it is not a game about killing people. No one's taking their top off. It's not gendered. It's not violent. It doesn't require you to practice every day. Um, It's just something you can drop in and do and get what you want out of it and then exit like that, that level of comfort and joy, just, I I love that it's becoming something that's more prevalent and less just, Oh, Oh, you're a casual gamer. Oh, well, I don't have time for you. I'm not going to develop games for you and becoming a lot more of a market because that means more things will be made that meet this desire in, in the gaming world. So I have a very interesting cultural anecdote about that. This game, Animal Crossing New Horizon, came out on the same day as Doom Eternal, which literally couldn't be a more different game. It is a frenetic, hard hardcore first person shooter full of violence. So what's interesting about that is that doom eternal did well. It has not reviewed quite as well as the previous doom 2016. Uh, I may be wrong about that, but it, it for me, totally different game. Uh, that's neither here nor there, but doom eternal people like it. It's been well responded to. It's been a, a game people have enjoyed. Uh, animal crossing new horizon. It has like reached cultural zeitgeist. It has, it has totally, uh, I mean, for me, I bought both the day they came out and I played doom horizon first or doom eternal (laughs) doom horizons is funny. Uh, but doom eternal. I played that first. And got bored and went, eh, this is not doing it for me. And then I went and played Animal Crossing. I was like, oh my goodness, this is exactly what I needed. And I've been playing Animal Crossing ever since and have not gone back to Doom Eternal. Uh, where Doom 2016, the previous one, was probably one of my favorite games since it came out. Uh, so nothing but great things to say about it. But Animal Crossing New Horizon certainly has taken the world by a storm and our living room. Totally. I mean, I, I, I think about like our gaming behaviors in my household. So I sort of came up as a gamer with Halo and things like that. So definitely a shooter genre, but right. And, and just as much as I am a polymath in life, I am with games, so I love the heck out of most games. And 
right now, it was actually a struggle to find a game that would meet my mood in this moment. So in my household, we researched what games are there out there that we could consume and play right now that would be good simulations, that would be enjoyable but low stakes, something you could pick up and put down. And I ended up playing things like Flower, where you are the wind and you literally like pick up petals and toss them around on the wind. We played Kings and Castles because playing something like a first-person shooter right now just does not sound relaxing. It doesn't feel cathartic. So I totally get why something like Animal Crossing is having its moment right now. I think that absolutely makes sense. I think that totally taps into the zeitgeist. I think you're absolutely right, Matt. That's so So, cool. The point of what I was going to say that I totally forgot to say because I got distracted by talking about other stuff is Animal Crossing New Horizon has outsold all of the other Animal Crossings combined and set sales records for Switch. It, It more than doubled the other highest uh, sales figure. So yeah, uh, it has sold almost 2 million physical copies at launch in Japan alone. It is, it is a huge, huge game. I have a question about uh, delivery of the game. So I know that for the Xbox, you can do digital download on games. You can also buy them directly from Xbox and get them, download them to the Xbox, or you can you can go out and buy the buy the game in a DVD. Uh, but my understanding of the Switch is that everything comes on like a little SIM card, right? Or is it also available no. for a digital download? They have the same store where you, or not the same store, the same type of store where you just log in with your account purchase the game download it's tied to your account you download it and you've got it okay yeah the, i so i have gone completely digital no more physical copies of media that's that's where i'm at with things so yes the nintendo switch has a storefront you download you put a micro sd card into it so you can expand your storage of the switch yeah and download whatever whatever games you want off of their nintendo store cool thank you Yeah, so I am ready to transition into our last bit of the homework, if everyone else is good to go. Absolutely. Cool. So our homework was to visit parks and sort of think about the space in this time frame. So before I speak about my experience, um, I would love to hear from Matt first, if you're willing, about your experience with the homework. Totally. Well, I went to, went, took the dogs for a walk, went over to the park. There are too many people. We didn't go to the park. So when you say too many people, like what did that look like for you? For me, it was, uh, I mean, it's a, it's a pretty large park. I don't, it, it's a pretty large park. It's got nice wide pads. I didn't feel comfortable going over there. It was people who were 60 to 80 feet apart. And they were far apart, but you could still see them. They were just around there. And I didn't feel comfortable going over there because, you know, there were bicyclists and I didn't know whether they were going to freak out the dog. There's just not enough space. I'm sorry. There's plenty of space. There was not enough space for my comfort and between people or anything else. Was it because you mentioned the dogs? Was it? Not enough space for your comfort because you feel your dogs don't do around other do well around other people, or was it a COVID related concern? Um, there's certainly an element of my dogs don't respond well to other things around them. Uh, in in a park setting, they, but more or less, it was I was seeing people getting close to each other. They were like a bicyclist would go right down the middle of the path with a pedestrian walking on one half well they didn't need to be that close people were just not being apart for even the briefest amount of time and in the articles i've read or seen is that they were talking about 
bicyclists having a trail of vapor breath behind them when they exhale that follows them. And it's, I mean, that's not, not human contact. That's, that's human interaction. And when you have, when you're exhaling potentially deadly viruses because you're asymptomatic and aren't showing anything, that's a problem in, in my opinion. So when you see people not respecting those kinds of boundaries, it did not seem like anything that I needed to be a part of. So Aaron, you and I are fortunate enough to have a really nice park in our neighborhood. What was your experience when you went there? So we took the dogs as well um, to walk around that park. And it was yesterday afternoon. It was crowded at the park. Um, So I've been over to the park several times over the last few weeks uh, walking the dogs. And I will tell you that it was more crowded yesterday than it has been. And people were not doing as good a job social distancing as they have done in the past. In fact, I would say that the social distancing has decreased dramatically over the last couple of weeks. I've seen more cars on the road. I've seen more people out and about, and I've seen more people kind of giving a middle finger to social distancing, actively refusing to social distance to some extent. So we went over to the park yesterday. We walked the dogs around the park. There were a lot of people in the park, a lot of people with little kids, a bunch of kids playing on the playground that had basically moved the tape and were just playing on the playground. And I am not their dad. I am not there to police them on this. I am not going to police their parents on this and tell them they're wrong. But it was not what I wanted to see. We walked around the park and then we came home. Our Mastiff was significantly worn out by that. He did not need to go on another walk. But, you know, I mean, I love getting out on walks. I love going out to parks. I love seeing it. I'm hoping that yesterday was... So I've given some thought that I think that yesterday was a very warm afternoon. I mean, we got up, we mowed the lawn, we did a bunch of stuff. It was warm out yesterday. So I'm hoping that that was part of it. And it was just, it's Sunday, it's hot out. People have been going stir crazy. And there's a little bit of that to be expected that people will kind of go, you know, give some leeway to the rules. I'm not saying they should, but I think they do. Um, also, you know, the, the governor raised the, um, stay at home order for the state of Colorado. It's still in Denver, but for the state, I guess it is less than it was. So there's probably some confusion or people feel like they don't have to follow the rules as much. I'm hoping that this gets better. So when you were out there, what was the, percentage you would estimate because of course we can't know for sure of people wearing masks to not wearing masks um i would say probably 50 percent were wearing masks for me it was about 25 percent wow so that's i i think that's really fascinating because our last conversation when we were setting the homework I was really struck by how different some of our experiences were. So like Matt, in the past, you've described like your grocery store experience with people not wearing masks, not social distancing. I mean, that hasn't been my experience so far. And I'd say at the park most days. So I go to the park every day. I I, seven days a week, I go to the same park Now, around the same time, I was going very early in the morning and then I just couldn't anymore. So I'm going around the lunch hour and the mask wearing ratio, I will say 100% like today dropped like a rock. Like it went from 90% to 
25%. It was that drastic of a drop in one day after the order lifted from Polis. So yeah, I'm just curious like that. So describe your neck of the woods, Matt, compared to maybe ours. Well, what I'm, what I've seen. So first of all, to clarify our park near us is fed by the Cherry Creek trail. And if anybody knows Cherry Creek trail, it is bicyclists going as fast as they possibly can feet away from people trying to share the road with them. I'm not, this is an, this is not an anti-bicyclist thing. It is their rate of speed is extremely high and walking on the same, having a shared path with them is dangerous. They are very quiet. They sneak up on you. Anyway, that's, that's a me thing. That's just been my experience with it, especially in this area. Uh, the, as far as, you know, seeing people walk past the house, seeing people in the park, it's been a couple of people who, you know, are, they're going to keep wearing masks for the next however long. And that's about 25% of the people. The other 75% have been pretty like almost rebellious about this. It's been like a, a point of, of pride that they're not wearing masks. And to be quite honest, when we go walk the dogs in the neighborhood, not to the parks, I haven't been wearing my mask. Um, we go at night uh, or right at dusk and lots of we we avoid other people walking their dogs because we have reactive dogs. Ours are not good with other dogs. And so we avoid people already. We're already trained at this. Um, if somebody comes out of their house to take trash out, we stop and wait half a block away, cross the street, walk around them. Like we're, we're pretty adept at walking around without being even remotely close to other people. That's why the park was sort of a difficult th- uh, ask to go there at this point in time. But it's, it's concerning how many people don't wear masks when they're walking next to people who are wearing masks. Like that's the thing that has stood out for me the most is if you're going to take your measures to be socially distant, fine. If you're going to take your measure to wear a mask, fine. But if you're going to not wear a mask and then touch another person in public, you're in, you're being a dangerous person. And so that's been, that's been my experience with that. Is that, does that answer the question or am I, is, is that what you were looking for? Uh, no, I think that really touched on it too. Like uh, I, if people don't understand the significance of the Cherry Creek trail, I think that really wholly kind of answered my question because our park where Aaron and I can both go is a neighborhood park. There are parking spaces, but I see people come there, but it's the same people every time. Like, it's not the kind of place that attracts people from all over. Like, there are places like Cheeseman or Wash Park that are going to attract people from all over the area. Our park is not big enough for that. It's a neighborhood park. Being connected to the Cherry Creek Trail, you are going to have a completely different demographic. You're not going to have the couple that lives two blocks away. You're going to have people that rode their bikes or ran there or walked there from very far away. Um, that's a, that's a completely different social environment. So absolutely that answers my question because I would say by and large, my neighborhood park has been with the exception, exception of teenagers, because there have been teenagers there at all hours of the day, not wearing masks, interacting in a way that is, like, you're definitely not family, and if you are, you have some questions to answer kind of situation um, where it's just it, – it feels a lot more respectful and a lot more community-based. So today was marked for me because where every other day that I've been there, 
until very recently, since this whole pandemic, has been very respectful, very spaced out. In the last, so today and yesterday has suddenly become less safe feeling because there are fewer people wearing masks. I saw way more people today with masks on their chin, not covering their face in any fashion. And I frequently have had to leave the giant path that is at our park. Like our path is probably, I don't know, Aaron, you correct me, like at least five feet wide maybe larger. Oh, it's probably wider than that. I'd say it's seven or eight feet wide. I mean, it is a wide path. Right. So there are people who are walking down that path and their group is taking up the whole thing. So I have ended up walking off into the grass, into the weeds to avoid interacting with people, not wearing masks, but that has been only within the last couple of days. So if anything, that speaks kind of to the, power of of our governor's stance, which was really surprising for me that a stay-at-home order is partially lifted and suddenly start people like increase their lack of social responsibility. Yeah. And we're going to see a spike. I mean, I believe and I I hope I'm wrong, but we're going to see a spike in, you know, coronavirus cases because of this. And in a couple of weeks, when those numbers really uptick big, we're going to have to reinstitute stay-at-home orders across the country. And, you know, it's that double-dip effect. And But I'm not a scientist. Second wave. Yeah, second wave. I'm not a scientist. I'm not a doctor. I'm not claiming to do the research on this stuff. This is purely conjecture in my opinion. But I feel that... People are being selfish is the only answer I can give. I agree with that. I also am not a doctor. I don't know if that's clear or not, but I am also not a doctor and I'm also not a scientist. But I can tell you it feels scarier outside this week than it did a week ago for me. I I 100% agree. I mean, even going to the grocery store today, which is my like mm, twice monthly at this point uh, trip was significantly less safe feeling than at any other point uh, since this began. So, so I, I, go ahead. No, go go for it. I was just going to say, so if you're listening at home and you're feeling this way too, you aren't alone. We are also feeling this as well. Um, so, and if you're sitting at home, get through, and if you're sitting but, at home and you listening to this and you disagree with us, we would love to hear your opinion. Totally. Should I tell so them I, how to do that? Absolutely. Yes. Okay. Uh, head on over to facebook.com forward slash our novel experience and shoot us a message over there or send us an email at our novel experience at gmail.com. So I'm, if you guys are okay with it, I had so much more on this topic I wanted to cover, but time is of the essence. So are we ready to go to homework? I I think we are. I would love to revisit this in a future episode. Absolutely. I think it'd be good to do kind of a, how have things changed over time with this too? So I think revisiting, it'll make a lot of sense. Absolutely. Okay. So homework for this next episode is going to be, if you haven't heard of them, local band, Nathaniel Rateliff and the Night Sweats. It is our recommendation that you listen to the album live at Red Rocks. This will be new to me, listener, if you haven't heard it yet. So I will be joining you in that experience. And our second homework assignment is going to be to make something you've never made before. So a lot of us are comfort baking, comfort cooking. We are highly encouraging you to do so. And in that experience, if you would share that with us in pictures or text, send us an email at ournovelexperience at gmail.com. By make something, do you mean cook something, something that is food or just crafts? (laughs) Yes, please uh, um, be more specific, Anna. Yes, please make something delicious and edible. (laughs) So in, in your kitchen, make some food. 
Yeah, the Nathaniel Rateliff and the Night Sweats is available on Spotify. It is also added to our novel experience playlist called Our Novel Playlist. And you can also find that on Spotify. There's a link to it on our Facebook page. Great. So in the interest of time, we did not have a word of the day, but we will definitely have one for you next. Listen. Today's word is expedience then. (laughs) Love it. Perfect. (laughs) Thank you very much. Thank you very much for joining us again. Uh, Be kind to each other. Stay safe. And we will see you next episode. Thank you. Bye.